peace, and then joy, and then love. Those four things this time of year, uh, because those are four things that Jesus brought to the earth when he came as a baby, uh, as when he, and four things that he brought to this earth on the cross, and four things that he will bring eternally when he comes back to this world. So we're looking at love. Today we'll be in John chapter 3. I bet some of you might could quote that first verse, just maybe. It's a possibility. Um, it's a fairly well-known verse, but that's where we'll be today uh, to start. And then we'll be looking at um, kind of some Old Testament backing uh, of God's love as we dig into some other scriptures. So if you can find your way there, that's where we'll be uh, just real quick. So I was looking up, uh, you know, trying to find good stories and, you know, good heartfelt, um, you know, kind of lovey-dovey story on love because us guys, we love the lovey-dovey stories on love. Uh, that's our favorite stuff. And I uh, found a story of this little girl. I don't know if many of you have ever been in the show world where you show animals. I, I'm pretty ignorant and dumb when it comes to that, other than I know it's a lot of work for the animal that you're raising and taking care of, uh, and you become pretty close with that animal that you're raising and taking care of, and then you show them at the fairs and you sell them and, and all those types of things. So there's a little girl that had been doing that. She had raised uh, a sheep up, and she had brought it to the sale, brought it to the, brought it to the show, and uh, the guys... And the gals there started bidding uh, on her sheep. And uh, at first it was, you know, $5, and she had a smile, and then, then it was $10, and she started kind of over, overcome with emotion, um, started tearing up a little bit as the price went up, the more tears she shed. Eventually she was clinging the lamb around her neck, excited, and, and, and just, just tears just coming out of her, just, just the motion coming out of her as, as it was becoming sure that she was going to sell and not just sell but sell for a good price and then finally a, a local businessman bid a thousand dollars for this for this sheep this lamb and uh and, she, and that's what the price sold for and uh, of course the businessman being the the good guy that he was he uh gave the lamb back to the little girl and let her keep it and uh, felt pretty good about what he had done later on someone uh that was there was uh, reading essays that had been entered for an essay contest within the state. And uh, the person came across this essay that, that said, uh, the prices began to go so high during the bidding, she wrote, that I started to cry from happiness. She continued with, the man who bought the lamb for so much more than I ever, ever dreamed I would get returned the lamb to me. And when I got home, Daddy barbecued that lamb, and it really was delicious. So, so, she, so story really doesn't pertain really to what we're talking about today. I just thought it was funny. Uh, no, the the guy, you know, that was an act of love. The guy paid a thousand dollars for the lamb, and and uh, you know she wasn't upset because she was losing the lamb. She was just happy because it was she had worked hard and get a good price for it. So. Um, as we, as we smile a little bit and just enjoy being together this morning, we're looking at one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture. Now, this is not a... This, this gets portrayed as a quote sometimes. I don't personally believe it's a quote of Jesus. If you read it in context, Jesus is talking, and then this verse comes up. I think it is John explaining and kind of further detailing what Jesus has just said in the previous uh, section. Uh, don't, don't consider that blasphemy or anything. That's not like huge news or anything, that's what most scholars believe today. I don't know if you know this, but in the, in the original language, uh, in the Greek, there's not quotations that doesn't exist. You can't quote something in Greek because it didn't exist back then. So you can usually tell when someone is being quoted, but it's not always real clear. So 
that's not here nor there other than little things get on my nerves and when someone quotes this as if Jesus said it, it, it kind of bothers me because I don't think he actually said it this way. Um, because he doesn't refer to himself uh, this way and he doesn't refer to God the way that this verse refers to him. He says, calls him the Father. So anyway, not to chase a rabbit, I promise not to do that this morning. Let's look at John 3.16. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This, then, is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Verse 20, For everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. So we're looking at love. This is a very well-known love scripture, especially John 3.16 on its own. Excuse me, but love is a very loaded word in English. Um, it can be a great word. It can be a word that gets thrown around too much and used uh, too often sometimes. We, we have the one word, love, and then we have a bunch of other words we put with love to try to make it sound like or make it describe what we're actually saying. Um, but in the, in the Greek that the New Testament was written in, there were different words for different types of love, love. And in the Old Testament, there were different words for different types of love. So while English is a very wordy language, sometimes... Sometimes it's difficult to take those old languages. You know, Hebrew only had about 11,000 words. We have hundreds of thousands of words in English. And so those words had deep, deep meaning that it's, 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 uh, it takes some time and some thought sometimes to flesh those out into English. For, for instance, when it comes to love, the loaded uh, word of love, the loaded meanings of love, I love my wife. You know what I mean when I say that. I love my kids. You know what I mean when I say that. I love Mexican food. You know what I mean when I say that. I love breakfast for supper. Although someone in this congregation does not. I don't want to tell you who, but I will tell you that his name rhymes with Dusty. And it just still baffles me that he doesn't like breakfast for supper. I love breakfast for supper. Now, say... <laughs> <laughs> My bad, I love bro. It's weird. I'm, it's weird, is it not? Okay, it's weird. Okay. I mean, like Nathan said, breakfast for supper is awesome. You get the food from breakfast without having to get up early. It's great. But he used the same word right there. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love Mexican food. I love breakfast for supper. Same word, very different meanings, very different emotions, very different actions taken because of those things. So the word love gets thrown around a lot, and we, and we talk about loving God and loving others, and sometimes the lovey-doveyness of the word love almost can make men withdraw when we start talking about that because it's, it's, it's very, it can be very uncomfortable for us. Sometimes we're not very good at that, we're not very comfortable with that. And so I really want to dig into the meaning of God's love today and, and, and look through some Old Testament scriptures 
and, and, the, and the Hebrew word and really dig into what is love as far as God loving us, us loving God and therefore us loving each other. So one of the best words that's used very often in the Old Testament for love is hesed, hesed. Now you've never seen that in Scripture because it doesn't say hesed. It says other words. It says other things that we use to describe the Hebrew word hesed. But it is used about 250 times. Hesed is a noun. In other words, it is a thing. It's not something you do. It is a thing. But it's almost always or very often it is coupled with the word ish, which means to do. So to do hesed is said often in old, the Old Testament. To do the, the, the noun, the thing of hesed uh, is very often said in the Old Testament. Okay, so what are words uh, that help describe in English what that words mean? So when you see these words in the Old Testament, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, it is it is a an attempt to portray what has said is in that situation. Okay, so we use uh, words like kindness, faithfulness, love, or loving, loyalty, mercy. Lots of times for, for the King James readers, lots of times this word is loving kindness together. So has said lots of times in the, in the King James is loving kindness. When you see loving kindness, think after today, think has said, this meaning of has said. Okay, and this, this word being... Yeah, that was me. This word, let me put it in my back pocket, Todd. That's my fault. Um... Being a noun is viewed as a gift. I'm so rough with stuff. I break everything. Still there? Okay. Uh, it's viewed as a gift. It, that's, a, that's, a, that's a foregone conclusion that, that has said is a gift um, that is given. Um, it, is, it, it comes with and is used in certain terms. When this word has said is used, it comes with and is used with certain terms in certain situations that, that go with it. Okay, so to, to break that down, what I mean by that, with certain terms. So, has said when it comes to human-to-human relationships, me doing has said for you and you doing has said for me and, and, and all the way around, it comes with these really kind of four characteristics. Okay, so there's a person in need, okay, and usually that person can't help themselves. When you, when you give has said to someone, you're doing something for someone that they can't do on their own most of the time when this word is used, okay? The need is needed, which I know is dumb, but in other words, it's needed to do, or if it doesn't get done, it's going to get worse. Most of the time when you're performing some type of said for someone, if you don't do it, it's going to get worse for that person that you didn't perform whatever act it is you should have performed, okay? The, the need as a person, okay? Uh, the need is not... The, the specific need has a specific person that needs to perform this, in other words. So if you don't do it, if you, Taylor, need has said, and I'm the one that's called to do it, and I don't do it, then it's not going to get done. That's usually the, usually the context of this word. Okay, so you, you're, it's something that you specifically are supposed to do for that person, and if you don't, then it's not going to take place. And then the other one is that it's not demanded. In other words, in other words, um, Taylor's in need of, of something, and God has called me to, to do his said, to do this act. But if I don't do it, there's not really any legal 
or societal ramifications for me to not do it. Okay? I should do it. God's called me to do it. But I'm not breaking the law. Nobody's going to look down on me if I don't do it. That's usually what we're talking about with this word. Okay? That's usually what we're talking about with this word when you're looking at different examples in the Old Testament. Okay? So we'll jump to uh, Genesis 47. Uh, I've, I've highlighted the words that are in English what would be in Hesed if we were reading it in Hebrew. So when the time drew near for Israel to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness, that you will show me Hesed. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. So this is what? Who's this in Scripture? Who's talking right now? Who's saying this to Joseph? I'm making your wheel spin on a Sunday morning. I'm sorry. This is Jacob talking to Joseph, right? The father. He's saying, hey, when I die, I want you to take me back to where I'm being buried. Okay? So the word there is, I want you to show me his stead. In other words, he can die and stay there, and it's okay. Nothing's going to happen to Joseph. It's just the thing that he should do. He should take him back to his family's uh, burial place. This is an ex- a quick example of that word being used. Okay, another example. In Ruth, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. The kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. Okay, so this is Boaz talking to Ruth, saying that she has shown this kindness, this has said, uh, is greater than the, that you had shown earlier. So she had already shown has said already before. Now she's shown it again. Now this is in the context of her offering herself as Boaz's wife for Naomi. Okay? She's doing this for her mother-in-law. And, and Boaz says, hey, wow, this is, this is incredible. You, you could have went out and found any husband, but, but you came to me because that's what's going to benefit your mother-in-law the most. You're going you're gonna to do has said this act of kindness um, for your mother-in-law's sake. Okay, another example is in uh, Samuel. And in the David context of the Bible, the books of David and, and the life of David, this word gets used a lot, which is not surprising because David was a man after God's own heart. So this, is, this word is used a lot. First Samuel chapter 20, verses 14 and 15, but show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness or show me unfailing has said, like the Lord's has said, as long as I live, so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your has said, your kindness, from my family. Not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So has said. Jonathan, what's his act of has said? He's loyal to David. He is faithful to David, even to the point of giving up his bloodline birthright of being the next king. Okay? That's the has said that he forms with David, that is the, the that he not performs that he that he uh, acts the things that he does is in his said for David that he's giving up his right to be king. David, how does he do his said for Jonathan? One of many examples is he takes in his son, his crippled son, uh, after after uh, Jonathan's death. So David takes in Jonathan's crippled son after his death and takes care of him. Takes care of him. This cord is going bad. That's why it didn't work last week, Todd. This cord's going bad. So frustrating. So sorry, y'all. Um, 
Lost my train of thought. Where are we at? Okay. David, he took in this son. It's a great expense. It's a great use of energy. David gets absolutely nothing gained worldly for taking in Jonathan's son. Nothing. All he gets is headache, heartache, difficulty, expense, everything else. But he does it because he loved Jonathan, his friend, and he had committed to perform his said for him, to perform love for him. Okay? So those are some examples of human-to-human love, human-to-human has said in the Old Testament. There are many, many more, but I don't think you want to stay here until 6 o'clock tonight to go through all those. Okay? That's human-to-human. But to get the full scope of the meaning of this word, you have to look at God's has said. God's has said. Okay? So not human-to-human has said, but God performing this, this noun, doing this thing. Okay? So it's kind of understood uh, in this way. It's kind of understood this way when you look at God's has said. Israel understood God to be committed to the community in covenant relationship as the one who provided for all needs, yet one also, one also always free and uncoercible. Okay? So those three words. Has said for God, it's commitment, providing for needs, and it's understood that it's free will. Okay? In other words, that has said is a gift that you choose to receive or not to receive. All acts of God are, uh, in this context, are acts of his said, are free to take or to not. Now, the thing is, it goes even deeper than that. It shows how essential this word, this concept, is to relationship to even exist at all. Okay? It goes deeper than just doing something good for someone, but without this concept of his said, this, this idea of God's love, relationship can't even exist at all. I'll give you a scriptural example to try to make that point. So this is right after the golden calf. Okay? Moses has gone up on the Mount Sinai. He has received the law from God. He has been gone for about 40 days. He comes back down the mountain, and these jokers who have just been saved from Egypt, saved from Pharaoh, seen all of these crazy things, come across the Red Sea, all that stuff, Right? They've just seen these miraculous acts of God. They are already that quick worshiping something human-made. They're worshiping the golden calf. That's what has just happened when we're looking at what God is saying right here. Okay? Now, if I were God, this would not be my response. My response would be, starting over. Y'all ain't the ones. But that's not God's response, thankfully. So we're looking at that, and he says, after he passed in front of Moses, this is God, Proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands. Abounding in his said, maintaining his said to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So forgiveness is an essential part of his said of God's love and God's forgiveness is essential for human relationship divine to human relationship to even exist okay track with me for a second if God didn't forgive then you and I could not have a relationship with him because he wants us to be free from sin and sin has caused us 
not to be able to have a relationship with them. He cannot be associated with sin. He's not going to be associated with sin. No way, no how, no nothing. But in God's love, He has forgiven us and allowed us to have a relationship with Him. So the idea of forgiveness is essential to our relationship with God. Therefore, essential to our relationships with each other. No forgiveness, you and I can't have a relationship. Why? Because the minute that you do something wrong to me, the relationship's over. Or the minute I do something wrong to you, the relationship is broken. It is over. Does that make sense? If I lie to you, if I cheat you, if I do something mean to you, and you don't have the concept, the ability, and the know-how to forgive, then our relationship is done. For our relationship to continue, you have to forgive what I have done wrong, or I have to forgive what has been done wrong to you. So the idea of forgiveness is encompassed in this word has said. It is what makes divine human relationship possible at all in the first place. In another place, it says it like this. This is in Nehemiah. This is after Nehemiah has built the wall. Everything is great. Rebuilt Jerusalem. And then he comes back and they're, and they're all right back to the same stuff all over again in, in, in about a year's time. And, and this is in a, a long stretch of things that Nehemiah is saying. It says, but you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, just like God describing himself in Exodus, abounding in love, abounding in his said. Abounding in his said, abounding in this idea of, of what love is, is a term only used with God, for God, in, Old Test- in the Old Testament. It never says that a human being is abounding in his said. Anytime it is abounding in love, is what our English will say, but abounding in his said, in the Hebrew, it is describing God. It is describing his forgiveness again, his love again. In this verse, same concept, same thing, and it happens all throughout Scripture. What's one of the reasons why we're talking about this? Because it gets tossed around sometimes that this, this wrathful God, this, this, this mean, angry God of the Old Testament, becomes this loving, forgiving God of the New Testament. That there's, that there's somehow, it's two different things. It's not the same thing, and that is not true. The Old Testament is describing the exact same God. Now, there's a whole lot of Israel messing up, so there's a whole lot of things that have to get corrected. But the idea of God's love is from start to finish. It's the same divine being, the divine God, all the way through. It is this God that is abounding and has said, abounding in faithfulness, abounding in mercy, abounding in forgiveness. He's abounding in love. So God abounding and has said offers forgiveness in order to make relationship possible. In other words, forgiveness comes as a freely offered act and a gift from God. Freely offered act and a gift from God. It, is, it can be described no other way. If it's not a freely offered act and, and, a, and a gift of God, then it's not forgiveness. It's not God's love. It's not His said. His said gives. Love gives. God gives as a gift. He gives His said. He gives forgiveness. It is the same really thing. Love as a gift restore forgiveness. Love given as a gift to restore, to give forgiveness, to maintain that possibility of a relationship between the human and the divine, between us and God. Now, he doesn't make you 
do the same thing. He doesn't make you do the same back, thing back to Him. He doesn't make you. He desires for us to be that way. He desires us to love Him back. He desires us to love each other. But He doesn't make us. He gives us the choice. Because a gift is a choice. Micah uh, 6.8 says it well. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. What does God require of his people? To act justly, to desire said, or to love mercy, same thing, and to walk humbly with your God. This is what God wants us to do. This is what he wants from us. He desires our said to him, and he desires us to said each other to love each other, to be faithful to each other, to, to be loyal to each other, to do an act that wouldn't otherwise get done if we didn't do it, to do it for someone that can't do anything back for you in, in return. The understanding that, 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 that this, is, this is the essential heart, the element of God, and what He desires back from us and for us to do to and for each other. So, with that encompassing idea of God's love, that word has said, God's love. With that idea, let's read John 16 again. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world that He might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. God displayed his his said, his love, his has said, this act that didn't have to be done, but this act that would benefit those that received it. This act that wouldn't get done unless the person that could perform his said did it. God loved the world. God displayed his has said in this way that he gave his one and only son, his monogenous, his only begotten Son. He wants you to receive His said as a gift. He wants you to receive His said as a gift in faith and to do His said to Him and for Him to each other. That's what John 3.16 is saying. He wants you to receive His gift of His said that He gave in His Son. That He took away sin. He, it's the forgiveness. It's the act. It's the thing that makes relationship with the divine God the Father possible. And He wants you to receive it in faith, in trust, in hope, and therefore in action, and to do His said back to Him and to do it to each other. How, how important is it, His said, God's love, and, and, and ours to each other? How important is it as a church that we do this? Well, thankfully God doesn't leave that up in the air. John 17, 23 says it this way. This is how Jesus said it. In the middle of his prayer for the church, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus is praying for the church and he says, this is how important it is that those who receive his gift, his has said, his love, that they do the same thing for each other's. For each other, because this is how the world will know 
that you have loved me, that I have loved them, and that I love them also. So, so the unity, keep coming back to that, the unity and the doing of his said is how the world knows God's has said and that he expressed that through the sending of his son for us and for them. Okay? Now, you know that. Some of you just are sitting back in your chair and your, and your body language is starting to say, you're beating a dead horse, bro. We know that. We've heard that over and over and over. But here's what I want you to catch right here at the end because we're just about finished. If that is true, if God displays or shows, has chosen to show His love, His said, first through Jesus and now through us as the church, by us being unified through His setting each other, and us has setting and loving the world, if that is how God has chosen to display or to show or to make his love revealed or known to the world, then the opposite of that is true as well. That if we are not in unity, then we are not displaying God's love. That if we are not loving each other, then we are not displaying God's love to the world. In other words, God has left it up to us he gave. He still gives. He gave His Son. You can receive the Holy Spirit through faith in what He, in what he gave through His Son. Instead of punishing you, He punished Himself. His Son. His begotten Son. His one and only Son. He gave. But now He put the responsibility on us to display that and take that to the world. If we aren't doing that, then it's not getting displayed you understand where I'm coming from? Are you checking? Some of you are giving me that weird look. I know what that weird look means. It means I don't understand what you're saying. All I'm saying is we have a ginormous responsibility as the church to put unity, love, over everything. Over any preference, over anything that we think matters more, over anything that you want, over anything that you desire, over anything that idea, that faithfulness, that loyalty, that forgiveness, that, that doing an act for someone that's not going to get done otherwise, that giving of the gift of, of, of an act of love, it, we have to put that first and foremost in all that we do. And if we don't, the world sits back and says, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's talk, it's not walk. I don't get it. Where's love in that? Where's love in arguing over the color of carpet? Where's love in arguing over worship? Where's love in arguing, just make the list of what the church has done. Where's love in, 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 in XYZ? And you can start tracking that out to things that don't really matter. So, close out with this. Love gives because God gives and God is love. Paul tells us in, in Galatians 5, 6 that the only thing that matters, not your skin color, not your ethnicity, that's the context that he's talking about, or anything else. None of that other stuff matters. The only thing that matters is faith in Jesus expressing itself through love. That's what Paul tells us in Galatians 5, 6. That the, that the atonement that, may, that was made for us, that, that pours out, it proceeds from the loving heart of God that has said, or the word used in the Greek in the New Testament, agape, love, is loving the undeserving despite disappointment 
and rejection. Look, love does no harm and emits no good. Love does no harm and it emits no good. Anytime there's an opportunity for good and you do it, that is love. Anytime there's opportunity for harm and you don't do it, that is love. That is God's said. That is God's love. What are some examples real quick and we'll finish up? The way Paul takes it in his epistles and, and, he, and he fleshes this out for us. What does it mean? What do you mean do these things? Acts of mercy. Acts of hospitality. Avoiding revenge. Sympathy that weeps. Rejoicing with others. Sharing of weakness. Sharing of shame. Sharing of need. Restoring. Supporting. Building up each other. Giving someone honor. Kindness. Forgiveness. Encouragement. Restraining criticism. Especially restraining criticism over a weaker brother that may have trampled on your feelings some way. The list is almost endless, which is why Paul wrote so many letters, I think. Because it's hard. It, it ta- you can just keep on describing ways that you can perform acts, Huff has said. Perform God's love to show God's love. But this is how God ultimately showed His love. This is how God ultimately showed His said. This is the way Scripture says it. How do you know love? This is how. Jesus Christ laid down His life for you and for me and for everyone else. That's what it comes back to. When you're not sure how to describe it, God gave everything to have you in relationship with Him. That's His love. So what should we do? We should seek others' good in all circumstances at any cost just like God has done for us. We should seek good in all circumstances at any cost. That's what God's love has done for us. Look at what it cost Him. We should be willing to do the same. That is love. And as we get ready for you know, Christmas time, let's just be aware of that. Let's be aware of that. That the babe that came was a gift. A gift of love to restore humanity to a relationship with God. And I don't know of a better story than that. I don't know of anything better that God could have done. I've thought about it. Was there a different way? I don't think there's a different way. That's why He did it the way He did it. We should be loving others, seeking good in all circumstances at any cost. We're going to have a time of invitation. We're going to sing the same song that we sang at the beginning. Not the very beginning, but the beginning of worship. <laughs> uh, kind of a new song, but it just kind of fleshes out John 3.16 really in a song is what it does. So we'll sing that together. It's a time that you can pray. Uh, it's a time that you can go uh, said someone. <laughs> Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness or you need to forgive someone else. That would be a great way to restore and maintain unity in this church. Uh, you may want to come down and, and be saved during this time. We would certainly love to help lead you into that uh, and, how, and how that would would. would would flesh out if you if you would come forward during that time for that uh, need someone will be here to to meet with you uh, and walk you through that but um, ultimately that's just a time to reflect on God's love as we sing this last song and then we will uh, we will finish up God thank you for today thank you for your love thank you that that you do has said Lord and I pray that you will implant 
the idea that love is not an emotion, love is not a feeling, not your love. Your love is action. Your love is giving. Your love is doing all good and emitting, emitting no good and, and, and performing no harm to anyone, God. I pray that you would make us bold enough to do that, even when it costs us time, even when it costs us reputation, even when it costs us money, even when it costs us anything that we think we should hold dear in this world. God, I pray that we would hold performing has said in your name as the ultimate priority in our lives as we, as we go about doing your business in this church and as we go about the daily functions of our lives. God, that we would put your loving ethic at the highest point of what we focus on in our lives. We thank you, God, for Jesus, that you loved us enough to save us. We thank you for this time that we can reflect on that love. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.